0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures, tonight, episode 167. And as you notice, Ben's not with us here tonight. He's still in the midst of doing his relocating and setting up for that. He could possibly join us later on tonight. Uh, That's yet to be seen. But who we do have here with us tonight is a gentleman that I've been advertising on our episodes here, and you folks have reached out and said that you were really interested in this topic. And his name is Jamie Harris, and Jamie Harris... Uh, is the operator, owner-operator of Bluefish Knife and Tools. Uh, Facebook group going for the last three years is where I pulled the information. But, Jamie, you've been at it actually longer than that, haven't you, sir?
1: I have, yes. Uh, it's been going for, well, I've been making knives and doing leather work to complement that for uh, going on six years now. So, it's pretty much. I, I, I started Facebook, Facebook group and in, uh, my Instagram about three years ago. And that's remember. what I really
0: took notice off it of too, to be honest with you, and a lot of people of us did, because, you know, social media is just that, it's a great way to get stuff out, expands your uh, your presence on the interweb, or intraweb, as you uh, say, and that's really where I peaked, or where you peaked my interest as well, but that wasn't actually the first time i heard of Jamie, and I guess I should back up a little bit. If anybody is wondering, and just listening to this out there, because they weren't uh, able to join us for this live session... Jamie Harris actually does metalworking and leatherworking, just as he mentioned there, and he does some wonderful pieces for some knives, and it's not just bushcrafting knives and stuff like that. You've done kitchen knives, and I've seen cleavers and other works of metal that are just absolutely beautiful. And then you do the leather work to go along with them. And I have shown mm-hmm. it on many podcasts for the, our video viewers there in the past. Jamie was actually kind enough to do this piece for one of the knives I had, uh, and this was what he claimed at the time was, "Oh yeah, that's." That's simple work right there. I'll bang that off for you, no problem. <laughs> but it's it's super nice. The stitching's great. Um, the embroidering on, it's amazing. And it's held up amazingly well. I wear this every time I go into the woods. And I mean, I don't treat it well. Sorry, Jamie. But I mean, I use it like a sheath. It takes a lot of abuse and it just keeps on ticking. So amazing work. And I just can't say enough good stuff about it, which is one of the big reasons I reached out to Jamie here. But uh, yeah, sorry, backing up. Three years ago wasn't when Jamie and I first met. The first time Jamie and I actually met, if I'm not mistaken, was the uh, first Nova Scotia Bushcraft Gathering, which was in 2009. So that's actually, you know, like 11 years ago now, something like that. It'll be 11 years yeah, in getting August, handy. maybe. around there somewhere. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if there's any plans for this year for the Nova Scotia Bushcraft Gathering. We always try to throw a shout out to there and Lawrence and you and those. Uh, any plans that you know of, or nothing you can talk about at this point?
1: I, I think COVID's still having a little lingering issue there, but there, there, there is talk of something going on, so ho- hopefully it's always a good time to get out and meet up with everybody that, you know, we've had quite a few gatherings now. It's always good to get out and uh, get out with everybody. You know, it's it's great opportunity to share, share what's been going on and s- since the pandemic here, you know, you just want to, see everybody you've been missing for the last few years and we, so it, it's, a, it's a possibility
0: okay and we'll leave it at that for now if anything changes uh as some of our listeners out there know i still frequent the nova scotia bushcraft facebook page so if anything changes definitely check out the information there you can go on facebook check them out that's nova scotia bushcraft uh, and jamie's page if you want to look that up facebook uh bluefish knife and tool and i think you're the only one that comes up when you search that name and you can see some of the work that you've done on there as well
1: Yeah, and uh, it's bluefish6900 on Instagram.
0: Okay. I didn't have your Instagram, so that's good there. Um, So getting back to the topic at hand, Jamie. So you said you've been into metalwork, weatherwork, 60s years, somewhere around there, and it must have started as a hobby, did it?
1: It's, yes. As far as the knives and stuff and leatherwork, yeah, it started out as a hobby. The two up, I've, in my, I was a machinist as a, trade and trade school so that's how I got into metalwork so I've always been you know into the fussier detailed stuff so that's kind of where all, a lot of it comes from but as far as the 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 knife part of it I needed a I have a father that you know if he needs something he goes and gets it himself so you you know you can't always buy something for Christmas so I decided I was going to build him a knife for Christmas one year basically and that's Basically, that's kicked, tick, kicked everything off, you know, building a, making a knife. After I made a knife, I had to learn how to do leather to make a sheath for it. So that kind of spurred it all, out, <laughs> all trial by fire, I guess. So.
0: And that is kind of a funny point. I guess the two, I never thought about that actually up to this point. I suppose the leather working and metalwork kind of go hand in hand. Uh, not to say it, if they, you do one, you have to do the other, but I guess it's, it's a big advantage, I would assume, is it?
1: Well, it is because there's a lot of... Uh, my knife makers that don't do leather. So when you can go to a one stop shop and you know, so so it's not too bad when you got to sell a kitchen knife or something. I mean, I I like to put a put them in a Kydex sheath just as a drawer protector. Mm-hmm. As far as a kitchen knife, I'm going a sole kitchen knife. But as far as a hunting knife, you know, you don't want to send out a hunting knife that's not in leather, right? You know, you 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 spend that much for uh, that much of an investment for a hunting knife. And they're going to carry it in their pocket when they get it. You know, it's kind of a, should have some in something, right? And if it's going to be in something, you sh- should be in something nice. So.
0: And I couldn't agree with you more. And like I said, I've mentioned it numerous times in uh, old podcasts and stuff like that about this leather sheath. Actually, I actually think it, I drew attention to it within the first five episodes. So we actually did. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. constantly refer back to it. And that's one of the things I say is if you do have a nice knife and a knife you like, sometimes the sheaths that come with it they fail, and you have to look for somebody with your skills that can actually, you know, make you a good sheath. Because just like mm-hmm. you said, if the sheath falls apart, you're not just going to carry the thing in your pants pocket. It's just not going to happen, you know what I mean? Like, can no. you imagine uh, my knife here, which is uh, about a six-inch blade on it? That's not going to fit in my jeans so well.
1: No, I mean, you can get creative. You can heat up some ABS pipe and make your own Kydex sheath and stuff
0: like that. But it's not quite the same, right? You can't beat the... A good leather working sheath. Uh, and I do stress the word good because I have had some poor ones. Don't get me wrong. Just want, you know, like you buy them off the shelf kind of dealios. You see, oh, yeah, I are going to make a knife to fit that. Because that's the leather working I do. Uh, if I have a knife and the sheath fails, well, now I call somebody like you. Previously, I would just find an old sheath that kind of fit the knife. And I know a lot of our yeah. listeners out there will do the same thing. And you make it work. And it'll work for a while, absolutely. But the quality is just never there compared to the stuff you use here. It's a nice thick leather. It's rolled by the looks of it. Um, where do you get some of your supplies, Jamie, if I can ask that, but
1: I get most of it uh, at Tandy Leather, and they're, they're available online. I, I use shop at the shop in Dartmouth. And other than that, I make my own tools so
0: once again a benefit to doing both sides of the coin you know what i yeah, mean but exactly yeah so if somebody wanted to get into the leather work which uh we might as well start right at point a here let's say i am new sure. to want to do some metal work what is some things as somebody that knows very little i could start doing to lead me down the right path like where where would you start if somebody wanted to make their own knife it's
1: when i started i didn't have all the gear that i have now i mean I started basically with a. I did have access to a bandsaw, but a hacksaw, a file, a Sharpie marker, uh, some a, a torch of some sort, and some oil. And you can you can get pretty pretty basic, right?
0: So what the sounds you, that, of it, that,
1: That's going that, that's going way basic, but yeah, I mean you can do it.
0: But I mean that's perfect. And, and, so that's the ability or the level that some people would have to start this. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you all got to you got to start somewhere and. When when people are interested in it, what do I say? You, you just get started. Don't don't get hung up on the gear. The gear can come later. You're gonna find out what you need. I mean, I, after I, I filed all my bevels on the first few knives. After that, I went to uh, just a, a belt sander a, a three by twenty-four Delta sander. Right, it stuck it upside down in a vise and ground it that way. I mean, nothing was very perfect, but. it can be done then you just build up after you figure out what you want and you get fussier so
0: okay let me ask this what are some good metals to start out with what's something common i might have laying around that i might be able to use because i know once you get into the higher end stuff you're obviously going to be getting bar metal or something like that with specific Mm -hmm. metal properties for the project you're working on but joe blow me i'm going to the garage what am i going to start hacking up into a knife
1: Oh, well, first thing, find some old files. Start off with an old file of some sort. It's going to be pretty hard. You're not going to be able to file it. Take it, grab it, throw it in the campfire overnight, get it nice and hot and let it cool down, and you should be able to work at it from there.
0: So what does that do to it, if you don't mind me asking, uh, heating it up well, and letting it cool down like that?
1: It's it's an annealing process. It's not perfect, but it, it should get you in the right ballpark. Basically, you're taking... The hardened steel, and you're bringing it up to critical temperature and letting it cool slow, so it's annealing it. You're basically getting it softer. And so this the, is the, 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 the slow cooling is
0: is the process you're looking for. So that's going to get it down to where you can actually work with it. So from there, yeah, exactly. you'd use like a grinder or something on it. You can
1: grinder. You sh- you should be able to file it. You should be able to drill it. Whereas as in a hardened state, in the file, you're not going to be able to file a file right
0: and that makes total sense you know <laughs> i suppose <laughs> is there a specific reason you use a file is it just the hardness off it is it the is it just a good uh, a, a, a file a file is
1: made for cutting steel so it's that's basic you can use a grinder a gr- i i say file that's my machinist background you can get nice clean flat surfaces with a file if you know what you're doing i mean you can use a bench grinder you're gonna you know it's a little bit rougher but it works Uh, all right you can just use whatever whatever you're just going to take metal off right get the profile you want you get your shape you get your bevels the way that you want them put a couple holes in for stick some pins in there and glue some wood on it you
0: know that's basically what a knife is except for the hardening part. so and that's fair now there's two things that you said that i'd like to question there you keep saying bevel and if i know what a bevel is but how do you set the bevel? Because I think that's the hardest part that a lot of people have with knives, And
1: uh, something I struggle with too is
0: getting a decent bevel or the proper angle or whatever you want to call it. Everything I do is always lopsided. It cuts to the right great, not so good to the left.
1: Yeah, that's all practice. But I mean, if you can start off with a fairly straight piece of metal, you get a draw, you take a sharpie, well, you do your profile, so the outside of the knife, you do your after you get your right shape you put a sharpie down it and you put it you try to get a line down the middle line on the side of how how you want your bevel to go and then you just work to that you know you, you stay within the lines actually sounds that's really
0: simple i never thought of this before i've always kind of tried color to free him. Right. <laughs> yeah. well i mean
1: if, if you to have good light and something to work to and i mean i got bad eyesight so i got little cheater goggles here now and do what i gotta do
0: but and that's just it. You do what you got to yep. do. So you get the bevel. You said uh, template, I think as well. Do, do you freehand your templates or do you use ready-made templates or do you draw templates in your spare time? I, and...
1: actually, I actually do everything on the computer now.
0: So. Okay. So like uh, uh, I, AutoCAD or something like that, I assume?
1: Yeah, it's all actually called Inkscape. It's a free program. You just sit there and basically you put a couple dots and you start mo- manipulating stuff around and so if say you wanted a knife and you say, I want these parameters, I can put whatever it in. Then the benefit of that is after I got it drawn, I can zip it over to you, you can look at it. You can actually print it out full size, cut it out, put it in your hand, look at it. No, this is gonna be a little bit bigger. That's got to be a little bit bigger. I can sit there in five minutes, modify it, send it back to you. So, you know, so that that's the part of the custom knife I like, right?
0: So. And that's actually a real good point. Um, I've told the story before. I have had previous experience, and and you know the story too, and there's names evolving here, and I request not to mention the names just out of respect. But I have had experience trying to get a custom knife made in the past. Uh, It didn't work out, and that was one of the problems there was there. I was giving my information on the knife I wanted, but I wasn't getting anything back that I could possibly make changes to, you know what I mean? I had to take pictures of knives I had and said, I like this part of this knife and I'd rather this part of that knife go to here with about this long, with a handle shape like this. And basically I tried to draw it out, not being an artist. And I sent that forward to this individual and they're like, yeah, I'll try to make you something like that. And that, you know, what their interpretation of my drawing was <laughs> and what the final yeah. product could have been, it, it was, yeah. you know, it was a heyday there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I mean, I, I
0: th- there's... There's
1: a point where a lot of people get to that they're custom knife maker but they don't necessarily take the orders that the customer wants. They build what they want, right? And I mean that's fair. I mean everybody's a- allowed to do what they want basically, but I'm still at the point where you I'm going to make I want to make you happy and I want to push myself at the same time so if it puts me out of my comfort zone, you know, i got to wrap my head around it, and it's just going to put me a little – it's going to raise my skill level, basically, right? That's the way I look at it.
0: And that kind of makes there, sense that, when you – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jamie.
1: There, there is some areas that I don't go down yet. It's just for whatever reason, but, yeah, that's
0: – Oh, you can't say you know. something like that and not enlighten us a little bit, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I won't torment you, but that's okay, mm-hmm. But. We may come back to that. We may come back sure. to that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the technology on that has really come forward uh, a lot with knife makers like yourself and other blacksmiths and stuff like that. And would you consider yourself the quote unquote knife maker, or would you prefer the title blacksmith? Like, what 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 is I'm, your profession?
1: I, I I think I'm a knife maker. Okay. I I uh, well I'm not a blacksmith by any means. As far as maybe. You can go to bladesmith. Bladesmith, I I, I say bladesmith, bladesmith your I categorize it where you're taking your like a round bar and you're flattening it out, and making you're you're pounding you're doing a lot more work with a hammer. Okay. Right? To to get to roughly the same point. Is there any advantage? There can be an advantage between the two. But I call myself a knife maker since I'm starting a lot more with bar steel. Which and in the fair. end, is there, There's no real advantage as far as for what you want, you'll get what you want one way or another. Is how how you get there is a little journey, right?
0: And that's a fair point. And I, I never yeah. thought about it stuff in that manner. Like I, I assumed you'd use flat bars of steel. I should, uh, I guess, I shouldn't say I assumed. I yeah, I actually did. I assumed you'd use flat bars of steel, but I guess that does take a lot of the work out of it from the other side. If you're not bound flat, it's already flat. So you just got to find the right thickness and work from there.
1: Well, c- kinda, yeah. Here, I'm going to show you something. Just, just
0: hold on here. First. Yeah, sure, no worries. Um, so yes, anybody out there that's listening, once again, that's uh, Bluefish Knife and Tool. Check it out on Facebook. And uh, Jamie's are great guys. You can tell from the story here. So sorry, go ahead.
1: Okay, so if you let's see if I can show you here. Uh, where's the camera? All right. okay, this is all one one piece of steel. Basically, it's an integral kitchen knife, so it's all pounded out from one piece of steel. So you can see that it's a little wider here, it goes down, and then you got your your bevel going down, bevel, your uh, your profile going down, and you got your tang on this side. So this would be bladesmithing. This is what I call bladesmithing, right? I pounded this out. Uh, with Peter LePay here a few weeks ago, him and I are good buddies. LePay knife and tool. He's a, he's more of a blacksmith on the blade or or bladesmith, and he hammers and knives and axes and everything else. But uh, so I just
0: mean, a, a point we, of interest there. If anybody's ever seen my basics of fire, the first one there where I was talking about the striker I had, it was actually Peter that made it for me. So shout out to Peter. I yeah. mentioned him in the past as well, but good good call anyway sorry Jamie. go ahead
1: so yeah i mean that's that was made from a round bar so that that's uh that's on the bladesmithing side of it but mostly what i do is starting with a flat bar and going from there so
0: but now that you've done something like that you've added that to your repertoire of skills so it's something you'd be at least comfortable attempting again correct
1: oh for sure yeah so i I think that skill
0: is now in your pocketbook man i think you could work up to bladesmith off that
1: I don't oh, know, maybe too... I was,
0: <laughs> 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 but um, yeah. So your templates and, and stuff like that for Joe Blow like me, I can't draw. Is there resources where I'd be able to find that stuff mm-hmm. online? I've never actually tried. I tried freehanding a couple knives, and it looked like uh, my little girl did it. To be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, uh, there is. <laughs> there
1: is actually. There's a guy in Alberta. His name is, uh, is uh, Dan Camo, and he has a world of knowledge on his website then he actually has uh, four or five different huge pages of templates where you can go and you can print them out each different style is actually different lengths and everything else so you can go there you can look at it print it out and you know copy it out cut it glue it to a piece of steel work to it it's pretty easy you can take two or three of them take what this piece you like that piece you like glue them together
0: or whatever you know you can opportunities are endless so okay well that's good well once again new to it not something i would have thought of to be honest with you i thought you had to be able to draw to be able to do this stuff or find a knife or something like that i know you can get basic templates i'm gonna call it it looks like clip art you know what i mean yeah yeah but um No, it's kind of interesting You get more advanced stuff like that, and I would have thought of cutting them and pasting them together either. I would have tried to have done it in my head, and, you know, the simplest option is usually the best.
1: Yeah, and with uh, Dan Camo's website, which is DC Knives, you just Google DC Knives and they'll get you there. But on there, there's if you want to build your own tools, you want to make your own grinder, you want to make your own oven, you want to do all kinds of stuff, that's what he does and that's what he catalogues on his website so it's wealth of knowledge
0: okay uh, i was just looking on the uh the old google machine there's he district cutlery or is it just dc knives facebook page
1: uh, dc knives no it's not it's not a facebook page
0: okay it's on, on the... i see dcknives.com there is an online
1: i think account. i think it's .com
0: let's see it does and we have wonderful technology here but the name's going to be wrong so everybody ben is jamie because <laughs> i never <laughs> changed it over on this one but uh, is this the actual uh web page we're talking yep, about it, Yep,
1: it is and if you actually look on the red deck or the orange text on the on the right there you can actually see all the different topics that he went through and there's there's, temp, there's knife templates and walkthroughs of different building different machines and all that kind of stuff so so that's once, another part of the craft that I really enjoy is I don't buy my machines. I build them. So it's all – a lot of times I have more fun
0: building machines than I do building knives. So it's, but that's part of the hobby, right? It's part of the it interest of in what keeps you involved. That's right. Now, when you say build your machines, what's an example of a machine you would have built for yourself? Uh. Let me see. I don't know I'm putting you on the spot here. This isn't a question uh, we talked about. So.
1: Let me see if I can show you here. There's one.
0: So what are we looking at there, Jamie?
1: That that, that's a belt grinder.
0: Okay. So So, how would you have manufactured that? It looks like you made some sort of body, bolted it to your bench, attached some sort of motor.
1: Yep, it's actually a two, two twenty three phase motor. So it's gonna. I got two twenty in my shop, and I got a little fancy machine in a box back there that takes single phase turns it to three phase, then you can variable speed it, so.
0: Nice. Now, what's the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I know a lot of people that make knives. Uh, A belt sander is, like, up there on their list of must-haves once you start getting serious about it. What's the benefit to a belt sander versus, like, a grinder or something like that?
1: Well, the the, the belt sander is a belt grinder, basically. But what what this I guess an angle grinder
0: is what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. Well this is going to do the same thing. It's going to keep it cooler. It's going to be more precise. And you can... The functions that you got to do is you can put the attachments on these. Where an angle grinder you're cutting on a little radius all the time, right? You can cut with it or you can sand it off and it's always a little radius. With these here, you got a lot more abrasive. You got 72 inches going around and two inches wide so the longer the belt the cooler it's going to stay and so the long you're not going to be if you're working with a hardened steel you don't want to overheat it to to ruin the temper in it so it's and you can get a lot the, the abrasives you can get for these is unreal now so
0: okay um now you said temper and i'm kind of jumping forward here but i i had a question i was going to ask you later might as well ask it now because temper was mentioned i've seen online is it true? Those little, like, convection ovens can be used to do a, a temper for a basic knife? You don't need, like, a forge or anything. You can temper it in an oven?
1: Temper, yes, but not harden. There's a difference.
0: Okay, walk us through the Okay, okay.
1: okay, so once you got your... We were talking about making your template earlier, right? You got your template, you got your bevels. You don't put your bevels right. You leave them a little bit proud because you don't want to destroy it when you're uh, heat treating. So basically, what you got to do, you take your bar steel that can be hardened, your hardenable piece of steel. You got to get it up to critical temperature, which is roughly around it's uh, it's about it's just under 1500 degrees for uh, a carbon steel. But what happens at that state is you can take a magnet, and when you get to past the critical temperature, the magnet doesn't stick to it anymore. So you can actually judge your temperature with a magnet. So once you get to that point, you can take it. You dunk it in oil. I'm not going right into the weeds with different types of oil and different types of whatever. I know that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you dunk it in oil. You got to, you, or whatever medium you got. It was different steels are different mediums. But uh, you, you you dunk it, and after after that, it's hard. But it's too hard, so now you got a hardened piece of steel. But basically, you drop it on the cement floor; it's going to crack.
0: So you got to take hard it makes and you, brittle. Hard's not yes. tough. Hard is brittle.
1: Exactly. So what you got to do now? You got to temper it. You got to actually take it. You put it in a, an oven at a certain temperature, which is usually around four hundred degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And you leave it there for a couple hours, a couple of those cycles, and then you get your finished temperature where you want. You can you can vary it a little bit to get exactly where you want. You get a like a kitchen knife you want it a little bit harder. So you're not gonna be prying on it or whatever. Your hunting knives you want it a little bit tougher, you know, so you're not dealing with a broken knife in the middle of the field, you know, dressing a deer or whatever. So yeah, you can you temper you can temper in your wife's oven, while
0: well, yeah. she's not home or trying to make cookies. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, you said heat cycles. So that's uh, that's a term I've seen in the knife making community and stuff like that. What do you mean by heat cycling? Am I bringing it up to that four hundred degree temperature and then letting it come down to zero, like room temperature again, or am I quenching yeah. it? What happens in between cycles here?
1: So you when you when you're Tempering, you're bringing it from zero to four hundred, and you leave it there for two hours. And what you're doing is, you're uh, converting. You're yeah, you're taking a lot of the. Oh, my, my the. I'm getting all jumbled up here, but, but yeah, you're you're cycling it. You're uh, re, you're t- retaining austenite is converting, and you're you're starting to get into the a lot of the science part of it here, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs>
0: We don't have to go too far into the science. Keep her simple for me, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, your uh, your cycles, two hours, two two hours each, and basically you're taking the temper out of it. Uh, how can I uh, explain this in a better way here?
0: I think the idea is, as the temperature comes up, it's coming up slow. It's a lot like making that metal cool down slow. You're just not bringing it up to that critical temperature and letting it cool down, like we talked about. You no, know, well, of the year. The, you're not.
1: You're not worried about the the, the rate at this point. You okay. can between your cycles, you can quench it in water, and whatever else. That's not not big of a deal. It's the temperature that's more critical. So you don't go too high because the higher you go, the less hardness you're taking out of it. Obviously, if you go back to your critical temperature, it's softer and it's pretty soft again.
0: So So by doing the tempering cycles, what you're doing is taking some of the brittleness out of it, which actually makes it more soft, but not so soft that it's going to...
1: You're taking a lot of the hardness and you're putting some toughness into it.
0: Gotcha. So once again, for anybody out there listening, there is a difference between uh, hardness, softness, and toughness. Softness would be, it'd be too soft to do anything. You try to cut something, it's going to uh, basically kill the edge on it. If something's too soft... It, yeah. it just
1: won't the, the, hold an edge. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it if it's too soft, it won't hold an edge. You're uh, it, it's good for you know you're beating stuff up, but you're not gonna you'll be sharpening it all the time. Okay, and, fair and then enough. you the, the different steels. You're gonna get into edge retention. You're gonna get into uh, you know uh, wearability and all kinds of other. There, there's probably be six or seven different traits you can take your steel and you can they they put all these different elements in the steels for whatever you want right and then you gotta it's up to the knife maker to pick the right steel for what you want to do and and get get what you want in the end
0: and i guess the big thing on what you just said there is there isn't a magic steel it's you got to find what's going to work for what you want it to do that's right so, and I guess that comes as you uh, develop into the skill a little bit. Play around with some stuff. You'll figure out what does what. Like, you're not going to make a knife out of aluminum, obviously. Yeah, the, and you're not going to make a good knife out of... Uh, I, I can't this c- ceramic no i guess they do make ceramic knives bad example not yeah. a knife maker as you guys can tell <laughs> out there but the the point is uh different metals are going to give you different things so you'd use a different metal for say a all-around bushcrafting knife than you would say um, like a chef knife
1: yeah exactly
0: yep okay so,
1: that- like, a sh- like a chef knife you want it you can even vary the heat treat and you can use the same steel but vary the heat treats or on your bushcraft knife you bring it down a little a couple of well Rockwell points Ro- Rockwell C is the hardness scale for for knives or or s- steel in the upper range so you your uh chef knife you have it a little bit harder so you get a, be- a little better edge retention and you're not going to be prying on it as much so you're not as worried about it and even if you do the Japanese knives were really hard, and they weren't worried about worried about them chipping. They'd rather have them chip than dull. So you know they they'd have them really hard for the edge retention, but so you'd actually have to uh, resharpen if if you got a chip instead of them going dull, right? So and Western chef knives they don't we we do them quite hard, but not quite as hard as the Japanese.
0: And that's fair. I guess First, that's going to be a cultural I, I thing too, anymore. right? Yep. All right. Um, so I picked your brain pretty hard about metalworking. Let's move on to the leatherworking a little bit, if you're good. Did you have anything else you want to add into the metalwork before we no, kind of change gears you. here? So, no, i good. like I said, off the uh, the leatherwork there, you do some amazing stuff. Once again, what's some basic tools you could use to get into leatherworking?
1: Uh, Leatherwork's even... It's a lot more. It's a lot more basic than you'd actually believe. You need something that's going to cut. You need to be able to glue it, and you need to be able to. Uh, you, I mean, you you can dye it too, and sew it together. So, you need an exacto knife. Uh, glue, contact cement. Uh, as far as something that, you know, some sort of needle
0: so you can put your holes in, and some thread. That's, so that's 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 the basic, basic stuff. Honestly, I honestly thought yeah. there'd be more to it than that, uh, but obviously, with the bare basics of tools, you're it's going to be an entry level thing. As you get going, there's going to be some nicer tools. I, I know there's some fancy tools to give you nice edges, and then you can roll yep. edges and the dies, like you said. How do you work with a piece of leather? Because I've bought leather stock for other projects trying to make stuff, and I found it really hard to work with. Is there a secret to softening it up? I've seen some people like soak in water. Is that a thing, or is there just a certain leather you work for? Walk us through making a knife sheath and what you would look for for, say, uh, basically what my knife is here. If you can remember how you did this, What was kind of the process, the thought process that went through for this knife? And if anybody's wondering and wants to see this knife sheath, uh, I definitely recommend you jump onto the YouTube channel and check it out because it's absolutely beautiful.
1: Well, first things first, you start off, take your knife, and I always start off with a cereal box, the the cardboard, right? Make myself a template. And, you know, draw what you want. You kind of put it over towards the leather. The leather's good. I usually work with veg tan leather, which is, Veg tans, it, it's, uh, when you soak veg tan leather, you can form it, you can actually, when it's wet, you can stamp it, and it holds a stamp. Whereas, if you get an oil tan or something like that, it's not quite as easy to work with. It's not going to stay. You're not going to stamp it as well. So, is that how so, you get
0: these really nice embroiderings in this here? Is that is that what that was? Right. It was wet, and then stamped, exactly. and it retained it? Yep. So, so you're you slipping actually... out company secrets now, Bud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's not—it's not really a secret. But so what you do is you take a piece of leather to to get your stamping in, and you don't really dunk it in the water. You just take a like a sponge or something, and you soak the top of it, and you you're trying to get it wet. You know about fifty percent into the leather, not all the way through, and then you let it dry. And when it comes back to almost the same color as the original, that's when you're ready to start stamping and you stamp it and then you can just you leave it you let it dry then you can work on it from there right so that that that's how you, you do the stamping but as far as shaping it all the other the way you, you shape your rough profile you get your welt like that your, your, your sheath has a welt so the the blade doesn't cut into the stitches it's actually gonna cut into another yep yeah. Yeah, you actually actually hold it on the edge, you'll actually see there's three three uh yeah, there's three uh, layers there. Yep. So you put your your welt in, you glue them all together and let the glue dry, you shape it to wherever you want. Put punch your holes. I actually use uh chisels. It's almost like a fork. You could actually sharpen a fork and punch your your hole, your thread holes in. So you get nice, even stamping. And after you learn to saddle stitch, which is pretty easy, it's just interlocking. You get two needles and you just go in and out, in and out, in and out. That's, That's your saddle stitch right to the end. You back up a couple stitches to terminate your stitch, burn it with a lighter. And after that, you just you gotta dress your edges and stuff. So okay. with, with leather. With leather you actually you can you can actually sand it if you want on the edges. I was gonna if say you, this uh, is
0: very smooth on these edges. It's not a, yeah. a raw edge at all, is what I was nope, looking that's, at there. It's it, it's
1: burnished. Basically you take a, you, you take some liquid, a little bit of water, and then you can actually get some liquid that actually a burnishing compound or whatever. And you just take a piece of wood or something and you keep on rubbing it. Rubbing it and rubbing it and then actually you'll you'll burnish it and it'll turn right soft. You the more you rub the, the better it's gonna come. Some people use denim. I use wood or, or antler. Okay. And and that that's <laughs> it's pretty simple. As far as dyeing you just get some dye. You can actually make your own dyes and stuff.
0: I mean but, uh simple or not i mean you can't argue with the results it's it's it looks really nice the the, the question i was going to ask is how do you know what shape to make this sheath to fit you know this knife is it just trial and error and it comes with practice or is there some sort of method you you do to make it fit because honestly that that's where it, i came it, up short
1: <laughs> it's a lot of trial and error basically you're you got your template you got your pattern cut out. You're bending everything over. You're holding it together with clamps, and you're putting the knife in and out, making trying to get the retaining, the retaining feature you want. So when you tip the sheath over, it doesn't fall out, right? So you can stretch leather, but you can't shrink it.
0: Okay, and that's something worth noting because I was gonna say, do you like do this and then, I don't know, get the weather wet? Because I assume as it's, it's wet, it swells, and as it dries, it shrinks, or
1: That's not the case. No, but what you can do is when you get it wet, if you can wrap your your knife in in cellophane or something, so you're not going to damage your knife. You you wrap it in cellophane. You actually get your sheath wet, put the knife in, and you basically wet form the sheath around the knife, and you can and you can get the you form it in a way that it's going to retain the knife in the sheath, and it'll dry hard. So after you do that, after you do that, you want to use like a beeswax treatment of some sort. You can get some waterproofing and stuff, and beeswax compound will actually harden the leather.
0: So what did you use to seal this leather? Because I've gotten it wet, I've actually fallen in water with this, and it's still retaining its shape all well. I assumed if by the process you just said uh if it wasn't treated if it got wet again a lot of this detailing stuff would start coming out but this is held up great
1: it's probably i probably use snow seal or something like that on there which is a a wax based thing you put it on with a heat gun you know i've actually taken raw beeswax and melted it with a heat gun put it on put it on in a melted form use the heat gun to soak it everything in again and did that, the leather sheath too, then just put a little bit of oil and stuff on the top of it, so.
0: No, and, and like I said, whatever you put on this, I swear by its quality. I, I show more people this sheath than anything else, to be honest with you, simply because yeah. it's a lovely piece of work. Um and honestly it was very reasonably priced it escapes me at the moment but that was the other thing that i i specifically remember it was reasonably priced and for anybody out there that's listening if they do want to check out your page or something like that i know this is a loaded question and we talked about this before we came on if somebody wants a custom knife i know the range is going to be from wherever to wherever depending on how intricate they want it but for a basic bushcraft knife they're in and about. And anybody listening, this is not the price. Don't call Jamie and say, oh yeah, they said it was going to be, you know, whatever price on the podcast. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what's well, a average price for an average knife? And I know the sky can be the limit and the bottom can be the limit too.
1: Well, I mean, my, my range is, I'm, I'm starting 350 375 for bushcraft hunting knife and going up from there, depending on what you want. I mean, you, you can go get a piece of antler, you know, that's worth $500 just for your handle. I mean, I mean so, you know, you can't get that for a $300 knife, but, or you can get a different exotic woods or whatever. But my, my, my prices start there, and then we start talking about handle material and what you want and all this kind of stuff, and if you need anything special or customizations and everything else as far as leather work i mean i for a basic sheath like that i can't remember what it was 65 75 bucks or something like that yeah i, I think plus, it was under plus to be shipping with or you something. because
0: i thought it was great yeah. um uh, hey chris i was just starting to wonder where you were man i i didn't see any comments come up welcome to the show i knew you'd try and jump in for this one um that's one thing we didn't talk about actually, Jamie, and you mentioned it right there's handles. Handles can be a very intricate part of the knife. Uh I know me, I'm just gonna run to the wood pile and I'm gonna grab something out of that and cut it up with a bandsaw and try my best. But what are some good woods? And where do you get your woods? Do you do the same thing? Just whatever wood you have happen to lay around that makes you happy, or
1: Oh, well, well, I mean a lot of lot of the woods that I use actually came from my wood pile. Believe it or not, but but that's a lot of uh curly maple but other than that i'm going to i got a. there's a couple specialty wood stores in town here that i go to or, or you can go to any knife supplier or whatever and they sell you scales and then you can get into synthetics and whatever else like so let's but, see you but, and i would have made great
0: th- friends back in the year 2000 i used to be a scaler and what we did was wood veneers did a lot of nice ashes curly maple curly birch bird's eye birch bird's eye maple stuff like that right yeah yeah but um and if anybody doesn't know what i'm talking about there uh that's a whole other discussion too <laughs> but just search uh, some actually, of those terms
1: actually we're actually if you look on this side all that stuff there
0: Awful. way over there
1: well that's all handle material <laughs>
0: But you don't have it's to some get of these, ex- actually, you said antler, which is real interesting. Can you just, like, use antlers off a of deer, or do you have to get some specific type of antler?
1: No, deer antler works fine.
0: All right, fair enough.
1: Um, if, if you if you can grab it, you know, and you can find a, especially with deer antlers, it's always got a curve everywhere. Mm. you got to find a spot that's, whether you're right-handed or left-handed, and they fish comfortably in your hand. Do you find it
0: hard to work with because of that problem?
1: I find I'm fussy enough where I got to find the right piece. And, and that's fair. You got to find it, you know, and you got to have the right diameters. It's got to be the right diameter in the right spot. Then you got to deal with the, the pith in the center so that if you do sand into it, you're not sanding into that soft spot. So it's not visible, right? That's something that I had to learn the hard way.
0: I was just yes. gonna ask how sanding went with your handler, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, Chris Lovelace, is there a website, and do you ship to the U.S. of A.? So I'm gonna let you answer that, answer that, Jamie. Yep,
1: yeah, I'll ship just about anywhere. I actually have knives in the U.K. I've got quite a few in the states, Michigan, Ohio, all the way down California, out west in Canada, Fort Mac, BC. So I got them everywhere. So, yeah, no problem sending to the States.
0: And uh, if you're wondering there, Chris, he has a Facebook page. Do you you have anything other than the Facebook page or just the Facebook page?
1: Facebook and Instagram.
0: Okay. I keep forgetting about the Instagram. And I'll include the links to both of those in the description of the video as well as I'll include in the description of the uh, audio file that goes out to all our major platforms there. Uh, I do have the Facebook page up here on the right beside us. And once again, I never replaced ben's name for jamie's name so uh jamie is the new ben for the for the segment here but anybody that's looking at our videos like you're in for an eye treat here like look at some of these things these are absolutely amazing i, I assume the knife block wasn't you but um maybe it was I no know i made it. the
1: knife block too I, I i didn't make the knife i didn't make the cutting block but i made the the block that holding the knives the oh. walnut solid walnut block
0: awesome job i, I i'm sorry then mm-hmm. uh but yeah like this this is your stamp here the blue fish and uh, it was one of the things I said we may talk about. So why don't you walk us through it while we're looking at some of your samples here? How did you come up with the name Bluefish?
1: Well, I was never into sport fishing as a very young child, but when in my teenage years I was living in Yarmouth, where well that's where I lived down in the Acadian community, Wedgeport. But in the summers, the bluefish—I think they call them the Boston bluefish—would run up in the warmer waters in the summertime. And I don't know if you've ever heard of a bluefish or actually went chasing them for, with rod and reel. But it's—it's—it's like a—it's like a, like a three-foot piranha, and you're trying to catch him on a, on a rod. And so I just got obsessed with trying to chase these bluefish, and you could only fish them for a couple of weeks a year. So it just always stuck with me as far as the swordfish i was a commercial fisherman for quite a few years and we used to chase swordfish and it's just always it reminds me of home since i'm away from that community now working in the city and whatever else i mean that's that's it's a part of home right i I could have put a lobster on there but swordfish <laughs> is, this is fun
0: no i like the story behind <laughs> yeah. that honestly and that's that's unique to you you know what i mean there's a lot of companies that use a lobster here in nova scotia where if anybody doesn't know nova scotia we're pretty famous for three things forestry fishing and farming if you weren't doing one of those three growing up you basically weren't from nova scotia but uh i am going to put you on the spot a little bit jamie i notice a video here on your facebook page if anybody's watching of a folding knife uh how have you been in pursuing this because this was something you were playing with at the time which was uh yeah. this was back in march uh how has that developed along for you can people now order folding knives from you or is this something you're still working yeah it's it,
1: it's it's something that i will it's it's you know it's it's a pastime let's see if i can hold it up here so this is this is my my beater
0: I love how he says beater, and that knife looks nicer than one of my high-end <laughs> knives.
1: But, kind of and you did this all yourself. Kind of what did
0: you uh, What you use for the handle, if I may this is
1: a This is a black G10, which is basically like a fiberglass resinous type of material. All right. It, it, it's a, it's a synthetic, so it, it's going to last. It's, it's pretty, it sands well. It's, it almost shows like a little
0: bit of a grain. To it, uh, it it works well and i guess that's another part off your your bag of skills there's you gotta know some woodworking for some of these handles because obviously yep. you can just run out and grab any wood sand it and throw it on there that's that's fine but some of the examples we just pulled up there like there was beautiful uh beautiful oh man there was beautiful <laughs> grains and some of that stuff and you made them pop and you could tell that you uh, roasted some of it and things like that like you got to know what you're doing to get beautiful results like that. So don't be, don't be modest well, on yourself. You There's a lot more in your bag of tricks than you're that not. <laughs> well, the thing
1: with knife handles is you got to, everything's going to be, you know, within a five inch and one inch window. Right. So you can get a beautiful piece of wood that looks great on a kitchen counter, but it's not going to look good on a knife because it's the, the, the detail's not there. You're actually taking, you know, you don't, you got to scale everything down. So to get something nice and small, you know, it's going to have a lot of character to it. That's why a lot of the knife scales are pretty expensive because you're going to the the higher end exotics. So you can get that scale down and get what you want out of it.
0: And you made a good point there, which is what I was going to allude to towards the end, which we're coming up on here anyway. Um, a lot of people will argue that the cost of a custom knife sometime isn't worth it. But before we, we go too far down that, give us an idea, Jamie. How many hours do you put into a custom build? And I know that can be anywhere, but on average, what's the least amount you've ever put in? I bet you that number would still stagger people. Well,
1: even just hand sanding a knife, you know, you're looking at three to four hours just to get the finish, Right. So, and if you're counting hours, oven hours and everything else, I mean, you're you're into it for, if I started a knife now and I was trying to get it out as fast as I can, it's probably going to be, when I get it done in a day, probably not 24 hours for the whole process. But the, the, the working time, the working time can be between 12, 16 to 24 hours, depending on what you're doing.
0: And that's the thing. That's what I mean. You're not banging these knives out in two, three, four hours. That that might just be the polishing and the detailing. Like there is time and time. And if it's a custom order specifically, and Jamie doesn't have the creative license just to be like, I'm gonna make whatever I want. Uh if he's trying to follow specifications, you're adding more time in. You get to those exotic handles like he was talking about, you're not only into money, you're now into more time because you got to be careful where you're working for that. You buy a five hundred dollar piece of wood, you don't want to screw that up because now you're into a thousand dollars worth of wood. And that's just yeah. the knife, and now you're into the leather work. And then once it's all done, you got to polish it all out and make it look nice before it goes out because I I don't think I've ever seen something of yours go out and it wasn't just absolutely A1 quality. Well, the,
1: the worst part and the best part of the process for me is when basically the knife... you, you got to finish the whole knife before you put the handle on. But that's when it's the most delicate So, any little blemish you put on the blade, you're almost, it's taken hours to try to get that out. So, you're working the whole handle and everything you're dealing with abrasives, whether it's on a belt grinder, you're doing it by hand or whatever, and you're trying to protect that blade because you've already got it up to, you know, six, eight hundred or a thousand grit, hand sanded, you don't want to touch it, you don't want to marry it with your fingernail because you get the... Scratches going the wrong way, it just, you know, it, it's, it, it, it takes the knife maker and, you know, the, the hearts just sink because you, how much work you got to put back into it to get it back out there. But, you know, you, you do it. You just keep going around in a circle and you're chasing your your defects. And there's defects in every knife, whether you're – how big are the defects and how well you can hide them, basically. Right?
0: And that's fair. And, I mean, once again, uh, it's just – it was staggering how much time goes into some of this stuff. And I remember once again, at the bushcraft gathering, stuff like that, we've had a couple blacksmiths stop in and they were just working on stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to watch this guy make a knife. And I was expecting him to start with a chunk of metal. And by the time it was over, there'd be, you know, something that resembled a knife and hours in, there's still not even a decent representation of a knife going. And this individual was still like, nah, nope, that's still not quite right. And I'm like, it looked I, I don't even know what you're looking at. But that's the thing. Yeah. There's so much time, so much care. Um, the quality of the materials going in, it all costs money. And that's why custom knives do cost a little bit of money. Uh, but you definitely get that out in the other end. You get a one-off. Even if Jamie was to make two of the exact same knife, I can guarantee you put them side by side. They're not going to be the same. Just like Jamie said, there's always little minute differences and things like that.
1: And another thing with custom knives that a lot of people don't, Realize or they don't think of is, it's like buying a car. You want to go in the woods and, you know, if you want to go four wheel, four wheel driving and you're not going to buy a Ferrari. But, you know, you, you, they they sell Ferraris and they sell trucks, so you can do you can get either, but you can't you can't get both out of the same vehicle. You can't get the, you know, the performance out of a Ferrari when you when you need the four by four. That's, that's the way that I look at knives. When I ask you, what do you want to do with your knife? Well, I want a bushcraft knife. I want it to be tough. Okay, so I put a little bit more meat on the edge or whatever. Or, or do you want, you know, a backwoods slicer? Well, I can make you an exact, two exactly the same knives, but I can grind them differently. And they're going to, one's going to be great for beading on. One's going to be great for, you know, slicing your steak or whatever. But they're... You know, one's a four by four and one's a Ferrari. You know what I mean? The same knife. It's just all in the characteristics, and
0: and that's so, a great I mean, point to make. And one I never even thought about is, I imagine you've heard this before. You've asked the question, "What kind of knife do you want?" I want a knife that does everything. There's not really yeah. a knife that does everything. No. So, and, and that's a great point. Uh, we are coming up on the end here, but I am going to give you a spotlight here for a second. Jamie, give us a story. And something that sounds like it's going to be a great story, hopefully uh, you can think of one, is give us a time when you were close to the end of a knife and it all fell apart on you, just to give an idea of what can happen. Can you think of something like that?
1: Uh, I think it's probably when I started experimenting with fillet knives. Fillet knives, I want a nice bendy, flexy fillet knife, right? And In the last couple of years, I've been pushing myself to go thinner and thinner and thinner all the time. So sitting down with a fillet knife and you get it nice, because it's not just about being thin, it's about the geometry of going to get in your flex where you want. So you get it a little bit thinner at the end if you want more flex at the end or or you get it more symmet- symmetrical if you want more of a belly bend or or whatever. But you start playing around with it and start pushing it a little bit too far and all of a sudden, well, you know, you went too far and you're to start all over again, right? It, it's It's all about experimentation. So, you, you know, you sit back and you cry a little bit and you pick up your heart off the floor and you keep on going (laughs)
0: because much like uh the leather as you were saying you can grind metal out or flatten metal out but you can't put metal back easily no you can't and that's not easily (laughs) and i could just imagine you got a little too uh thin and it either became too floppy or it must have snapped or something did it
1: oh yeah well i I put it i just pushing it against the table and just kind of went a little bit too far and
0: she got a little too thin. but I mean, yeah. and if that was to happen, you were making somebody else's knife, you're basically back to square one. That's right. You know yeah. what I mean? That That's the reality of the work you do. That could happen. Uh, that was with a fillet knife and kind of an extreme example, which is perfect, exactly what I was looking for. But the reality is something out of the realm of, you know, reasonableness could happen to that knife. He, he may be walking it over to do a final quench or something like that, and it falls on the floor and you put a big nip in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he did not uh, an- expect an- that to happen.
1: <laughs> Another bad one is when you get it, you're almost done. You don't quite got it hand sanded yet, but you got it to the grinder and you're, well, let's say if you're sharpening on the grinder and you got it, you've got a, a fine belt on because when you got a fine belt on, you, you want it to run slow because you got more abrasive because if you run fast, it's going to get more, it's going to get hotter. But if you run a little bit too fast on a little bit too fine of abrasive and you turn the edge blue, then it's done. you got to start all over I've again. I've seen
0: this before um, yeah. on on stuff I've been working with. So if that happens, and this could be some of the problem I had, there's no way to get rid of that.
1: No, it's done. You're done. you got to start all over.
0: I think I know why some of my knives haven't turned out. <laughs> 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 I was just like, oh, well, that's pretty. I went on to build my business. Yeah. But, and, yeah. and, that
1: actually, and, and that's why I, I don't sharpen on the belt sander. I actually sharpen by hand. I actually made my own jigs and sharpened with diamond erasives by hand so i then i can control exactly what angles i'm putting on it
0: and once again that's where that quality is going to shine through because you're getting it exactly as you want it uh it's as slow as you want it you're getting a way finer edge way less heat i assume which is going to create a tougher edge or Mm -hmm. more specifically it's not going to hurt the steel as much which uh once you've got that steel to the way you want it you're not affecting that as much so but that takes time you can slap it off the belt grinder and like how much ever but i guarantee it's what four five six times longer doing it by hand
1: oh it's a lot longer i mean you could probably sharpen a knife on a belt grinder with the right abrasives in three to five minutes and then some knives are taking me over
0: an hour so and that's fair enough so once again folks if you're wondering or wanting a uh, custom knife that that's where your money's going it's not that jamie is uh or anybody like jamie is gouging you i don't i don't think they are when you truly actually take the time to see how the knife is from your mind to your hand there is a lot that goes on in between and yeah. i'm not even going to profess i know what half of it is
1: no if i was in it for the money i'd be working on leather <laughs> honestly <laughs> the, the, I, I i got the passion for the knives and the leather just comes with it but if i'm if i'm you could make more money per hour with the with the leather than you can with the knife, so
0: and that's fair uh so we are coming up on our one hour there jamie i thank you very much for joining me here at atlantic bushcraft adventures just before we sign off once again tell people how they can find you how they can contact you anything you want to say and uh, get it out there for uh people to basically get back to you
1: sure uh bluefish knife and tool facebook group is where i'm at and Bluefish six nine zero zero is my Instagram. So either one of those, and contact me. You can find me on Facebook too, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Most times, I'd say go through the Facebook page. That way, you're just not getting a whole bunch of stuff hounded on your personal page. Um, And I, once again, I'm going to include the link to the Facebook page, to the Instagram. I just jotted it down there. It'll be on the description of the video here uh and any of our listeners out there that are listening i know some of you is listening on your way to work and things like that don't fret if you hear it check back in the description of the audio and i will make sure that the link for jamie's facebook page is there and his instagram uh, and people could just message you on either one of those and just to say hi appreciate your work definitely give a thumbs up and a like there but if you are looking for something uh, definitely reach out to jamie as he said he's shipped everywhere so there's no reason that you can't have a beautiful knife of your own made from jamie
1: yeah. Uh, you know, w- one thing with me is it is a hobby. My family comes first, so sometimes it takes me a while. But, you know, I, 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 I almost never have knives readily available. So it's always, you know, you, you're you going to wait a little bit one way or another. But I usually got spots and I, I can accommodate usually most schedules.
0: And that's the thing. That's that's the other thing with custom knives. It's kind of a give take relationship with a good knife maker. Uh, if somebody's just banging them out, that's one thing, but somebody that actually takes a little time, uh, it is a hobby, as Jamie said here. But you can see it in his work. Trust me. If you're wondering and you haven't seen any of the pictures I've put up, I can tell you right now, you can see the love, care, and just the passion that goes into the work he does. And I'm basing this just off the weather that I've had here, but I have seen a couple of his knives. Uh, to I, I believe you must have sold them to him. I don't think they stole them from you or anything like that. But I mean, the... the uh, It's absolutely amazing work, and it's funny enough, uh, just the last thought here is, I do remember when you first mentioned that you were doing uh, metal work, weather work, stuff like that, and I was kind of looking at your page, to where you've come now, and uh, over that amount of time, your work has done nothing but get better, in all honesty, a lot more intricate, Uh, I've seen some beautiful designs you put in metal, the handles you do are absolutely amazing. The weather works breathtaking for some of it. Some of it can be as simple or as intricate as you want. It, it, just all of it, just drools with the passion you put into this stuff.
1: Oh, thank you. I've always, always striving for the next.
0: Well, it, I,
1: it's, it's almost for the next high. You know, you go a little bit further, see how far you can push yourself without taking too big of a bite, right? So, just keep going.
0: But that's how we learn and grow, right?
1: that's right yep
0: all right well once again thank you very much jamie um if anybody has any questions comments or stuff like that once again you can get a hold of jamie on his own facebook stuff there and instagram or if you want shoot us messages and i'll make sure they get back to him as well uh if you're contacting me hopefully it's about the podcast and questions that way if you want a knife hopefully you're contacting jamie because uh you don't want anything i'm gonna give you i can tell you that right now but uh (laughs) until next week Everybody get out there, have fun, play safe, and uh, we'll see you next time. Night, everybody.
1: Take care.